We uh, turn this morning to Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, would you turn there? Philippians chapter 2, reading verses 25 through verse 30. But I thought it was necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger and minister to my need. Because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this day for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for Jesus, that he dwells in us by faith. He enables us to live the Christian life, not in our own fleshly power, but in the power of your Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you would take now the words that we've read, apply them to our hearts today. I pray that the words of my mouth, I pray that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I gave you a sheet of paper like this, and I said, I want you to write on that sheet of paper everything you know about Peter and Paul and James and John. Think you could fill up a sheet? I think you could, right? They are the well-known men of the New Testament. But what can you tell me about Tychicus? Anything? other than his name is in the Bible. What can you tell me about Aristarchus? The silence is deafening. What could you tell me about Epaphras? You could probably tell me something about Epaphroditus because we just read about him. But these are some of the men that we don't really know much about. And it's probably an unfortunate thing because... Men like Epaphroditus and Aristarchus and and Tychicus and Epaphras are people that can teach us something about what it means to serve the Lord. Paul says this about Epaphroditus, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. Some translations speak about him being worthy of honor. and So that's what we want to notice this morning. Men that are worthy of, of honor. Not, we don't praise them like we praise the Lord, but there are people in Scripture, people in our lives, who have lived before us the kind of example that points us to Jesus. Men worthy of honor. Of honor. You'll notice Paul describes this man with several different um, pictures. The first one is a caring brother. We are to honor the caring brother. That's the first way that Paul describes 
Epaphroditus, verse 25, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, when you see that term, my brother, Paul is not talking about a brother in a biological sense, nor is he being sentimental. You know, sometimes you hear people say, my brother from another mother, huh? Uh, Just kind of a sentimental thing. Paul is referring to the special bond that he and Epaphroditus had with one another because they both belonged to the family of God. They had both bowed their knee to the Father in heaven, and thus they were spiritual brothers in Jesus. And when you are a spiritual brother or sister in Jesus, it is a wonderful thing because God is the one who pours out His love in your heart that you love those who are part of the family of God. Notice Paul's love for this man. Epaphroditus almost died on his journey to Rome. And Paul says in verse 27, For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And then he adds, And not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. So Paul was in Rome because he was going to stand before the emperor And he was facing that challenge in his life, that difficulty. And he says, then Epaphroditus is is on his way, just about dies. He said, that would have been sorrow upon sorrow. He loved this man, this Epaphroditus. And then we see the love that, that Epaphroditus had for others in the family of God. His congregation, those in the city of Philippi. Not sure how long Epaphroditus was away from Philippi while he was with Paul in Rome, but notice his longing to be with his home congregation. Verse 26, He was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Is that the word longing? It means to yearn for. It means to intensely crave or to earnestly desire. So the picture we're given here is of a man who couldn't wait to get back to his congregation. He had been gone for a time. He was there in Rome, and there was that special love that he had with the family of God. Sometimes you might have to be away from your congregation. Maybe you're on vacation. Maybe your work takes you away. Do you miss The people that gather here, do you miss the people in your congregation? Do you long to be back together with your brothers and sisters that love Jesus? That ought to be the case, right? Because God gives us that kind of love for one another. Kent Hughes says how intensely Epaphroditus mentally suffered is seen only in the other use of the word translated distressed. It's used when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the word that Paul uses here when he says that he was longing for you and he was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Uh, Hughes goes on to say the young man agonized as he imagined the prayers that were being offered for him by his brothers and sisters in the church. Some of them he knew had lost sleep over his plight. 
How he longed for them to know that he was okay. You get the impression that this man cared more about his congregation than he cared about himself. He was distressed, not because he was sick. He was distressed because they were probably worried about him. That beautiful love relationship is, is seen so, so clearly in, in this passage. A picture of a wonderful, caring brother in the Lord. Do you have a caring, spiritual brother or sister in the Lord? Do you have that one person, maybe a few people, that you could tell them anything? You know that they would pray for you. You know that you are accountable to them. You know that, they, that you are loved by them. That's a special thing. And to be that kind of person for someone else is also a special thing. The family of God. I think it was the Gaithers that wrote that song, right? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Can you say that today? Glad that you are part of the, the family of God. A caring brother. We honor Caring brother. Well, this is the second way he's described. We honor the sacrificial worker. Verse 2, Paul describes Epaphroditus as a fellow worker. And that description tells us that he was a team player, right? He was a fellow worker. And he was a team player who willingly cooperated with others in the work of God's kingdom. The extent to which he was a fellow worker is seen in what he did for Paul. In verse 27, Paul says that he became sick to the point of death. And if you look at verse 30, you see that his illness resulted from his willingness to risk his life. Look at verse 30. He came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Now, we don't know exactly what he did that was a risk to his life. Uh, some wonder if it was just a journey from Philippi to Rome. Anybody guess how far that was? From what I read, about 800 miles. Now, if you do that today, you hop on a plane, a few hours later, you land there, and no big deal. Those days, it was a big deal. And some wonder if that journey was so long and so strenuous that he got sick on the way, just about died. Just about died. Why was he willing to risk his life? We see that in verse 30. It was his commitment to Jesus. Paul says he came close to death for the work of Christ. Serving Jesus for the work of Christ. Reminds me of what Paul said in his farewell to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20. He said, And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. How would you like that? I don't know what the future is going to hold, but I know everywhere I go, bonds, thrown in jail, afflictions await me. Someone said that when Paul went to a new town, 
He'd check out the jail first because he knew he'd eventually end up there. I mean, that's the kind of life that he lived. And yet he said in Acts 20, verse 24, he said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul knew that everywhere he went, he would face trouble. He knew that he was literally laying his life on the line. He was risking his life everywhere he went. But he said, that doesn't matter to me. My life isn't so dear to me that I'm going to avoid any kind of trouble. God has given me a ministry. He's given me a race to run. And I'm committed to finish that. Wow. Talk about commitment. John G. Patton pioneered a missionary work in an area that was inhabited by cannibals. And there was an elder gentleman, Mr. Dixon, that came to him before he left and he said, I don't think you should go. Why would you ever risk your life going to a place where there's cannibals? You know what John, uh, what John G. Patton said? He said, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your prospect is to be soon laid in the grave and eaten by worms. He said, I confess to you that I can but live and die serving the Lord Jesus. It will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or worms. You talk about a guy that was committed to follow the Lord. He said, I just want to serve Jesus. And one day I'm probably going to be eaten by worms. My body's going to be put in the ground. If I'm eaten by worms or cannibals, it makes no difference. I am committed to serve Jesus. Now, I don't know if any of us will ever face anything like Paul did. I don't know if we'll ever be in a position where... We are literally risking our lives for the sake of the gospel. It may come. We don't know. But there are smaller ways in which we are called to sacrifice for Jesus' sake almost every day, right? Opportunities to minister to others. Opportunities to sacrifice our time and our talents and our treasures to serve them. And often it's the small ways that we give of ourselves to others that means more to them than we think it maybe does. Because it says something to them, doesn't it? We care about them. Caring brothers. Sacrificial servants. Thirdly, honor the courageous soldier. It's fitting that the third description of Epaphroditus is that of a fellow soldier. Common picture in the New Testament of the Christian life, isn't it? Many places you find that picture of being a soldier. And anyone who's involved in the Lord's work, you know it's a battle, right? It's a battle. We battle against the devil. We battle against the world. We battle against our own sinful flesh. And one of the things that we can struggle with in the Christian life is fear. Have you struggled with fear? 
would have been easy for Epaphroditus to give in to fear when he went to Rome. Because when you line up with the Apostle Paul, you are kind of risking your safety, risking your life. And here Paul was before the Roman emperor, and if his sentence was not a good one, who would want to be associated with with this man? But Epaphroditus was, was willing to do that. If you think it wasn't a big deal to be associated with Paul, listen to what Paul says to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. In verse 6 he says, For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. And then Paul says this to Timothy, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. There was the temptation with Timothy to not really want to be too close, closely associated to Paul sometimes. And so Paul says, don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of, of, of me, but... Join with me in suffering for the gospel. Again, we may not face the kind of suffering that Paul faced for his faith, but there will be times when we will be tempted to give in to fear. Isn't that true? I remember when my dad was in the hospital, and he wanted to witness to anything that moved. And so there was this guy that came in and, and um, I don't know, was he giving him some water or whatever? So he starts sharing the gospel with him. And then the nurse came in and he knew that she was a believer because he had met her a few days before. And so he was talking to this man and, and talking about the Lord. And, and then he turns to the nurse and says, isn't that right, sister? She said nothing. So the next day, he came into my dad's room weeping. He said, you gave me an opportunity to say something for my Savior. And she says, and I gave in to fear. Please forgive me. My dad said, well, you don't have to ask me for forgiveness. You ask the Lord for forgiveness. He'll forgive you. And He'll give you the strength to be bold and not give in to fear. She was wondering what her co-workers would think if she was going to talk about the Lord you know, on, on the job. Fear. There are times when we are silent because of fear, right? What will people think? What will they say? Oh, this isn't the right time? Maybe another time? Are we willing to to use those opportunities? I remember a time when I was in college. And there was a man from our community, wasn't a member of our church, but he would come when we had special meetings. We called him Brother Smithams. 
last name was Smitham. And he was unashamed to talk about Jesus wherever he went. And during the message, yeah, amen, yeah, amen. You know, and all the Lutherans kind of look around like, what's going on here? This guy's actually talking in church, you know. And so I was in, I worked in a grocery store, and he came in there, and he was way across down the aisle, and I was on one aisle, and he sees me. He says, Brother Pete, are you praising the Lord today? You know what my thought was? Not as loud as you are. (laughs) And I thought to myself, why? What was I afraid of? Why was I not willing to yell across the the row and say, Brother Smithams, Amen! (laughs) There are times we give in to fear. We're not courageous soldiers. And that's why Paul says, honor men like this. These are men that love the Lord and are will. So I thank God for people like that. That encourage me to not be silent. Not just say nothing. But when, when God opens the door, open your mouth and let the Lord fill it, huh? Let him give you the words to share. The fourth way he describes Epaphroditus is a willing messenger. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need. Now, the obvious way in which he was a messenger, you go to chapter 4, verse 18, he had brought to Paul from Philippi a gift. In chapter 4, verse 18, Paul says, But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Must have given Epaphroditus joy to be the one that the congregation chose to give that gift to Paul in Rome. And it was large enough, Paul said, I am amply supplied. <laughs> what you gave me is, is meeting all, all my needs. And I find it interesting how Paul describes what they gave him. He, he uses sacrificial terms. Paul says it was a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So think about it. Their gift wasn't given just to meet a need. That it did. It wasn't given just to meet a need. It was an act of worship. That's how Paul saw it. This was a fragrant aroma an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And that should shed some light on what serving others is. Is it not an act of worship? Do you think of it that way? That what you do in serving others is really part of worshiping God? A fragrant aroma in His sight, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. 
The mission of Epaphroditus went beyond the giving of material things. He wasn't just like a delivery boy, you know, from UPS to just drop it on the, on the uh, porch and then take off. Because Paul goes on to say that besides being a messenger, he was a minister. He came from the Philippian church to minister to the apostles' needs. Not just by delivering whatever it was he delivered, but being with him. Standing with him. Supporting him in that great time of need in in Paul's life. And Paul needed people. Sometimes we look at Paul and we think this guy, you know, this Lone Ranger guy, he didn't need anything. Oh yeah? He needed men like Epaphroditus. Caring brothers, fellow workers, courageous soldiers, ones who were there at the time that, that he needed them. And that's why Paul then says, Receive him then in the Lord with all joy. And when, we, when Epaphroditus went back to his church, Hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Kent Hughes reminds us that Epaphroditus was a layman whom we would never have heard of were it not for Paul's brief reference here. Epaphroditus served in no public capacity. He did not shepherd a flock. He did not take the gospel to an unreached area. He did not receive special revelation. He wrote no epistles. All he did was faithfully discharge his duty by delivering a bag of money to Paul and then by looking after him. Yet, He is called by Paul, brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and was identified to the Philippians as messenger and minister. And then Hughes says, We must understand that to serve in some unnoticed, unrecognized place in the body of Christ is as much the work of Christ as is public ministry. Get that? What I do is very public, right? Here you are, listening to me today. Here we are, live streaming. Very public ministry. Not everybody's ministry is public ministry. Not everybody's ministry is well known. Some people do a lot of things behind the scenes that isn't broadcast over the Internet. But it's just as important. Just as important. And maybe more important. Herbert Vanderloot, writing in Our Daily Bread years ago, said Charles Plum was sitting in a restaurant when a man came up to him and said, You're Plum. You flew jet fighters in Vietnam. You were on the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk, and you were shot down. How in the world did you know all that, said Plum. This man was on the same ship. He said, I packed your parachute. And then he said, I guess it worked. And Plum said, indeed, it did. 
And that night Plum thought of this man who had stood at a table in the belly of the ship, carefully folding parachutes for men whose lives depended on them. And Plum was saddened and, and humbled as he thought how many times I have passed by this man but didn't even say good morning because I was a jet pilot and he was a low-ranking sailor. And then Vanderloot says, In God's service there are no high and low people, no high and low tasks. We all depend on one another. Let's never forget those who packed our parachute. Sometimes I wonder if we are uncomfortable giving honor to people. Because we think, well, then God doesn't get the glory if we give honor to people. Yet, honor is a biblical principle, isn't it? Let me give you some examples. Romans 12.10, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Romans 13.7, Render to all what is due to them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. 1 Corinthians 12.23, And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and your mother. 1 Timothy 5, 3, honor widows who are widows indeed. 1 Timothy 5, 17, the elders who rule among you are to be considered worthy of, of double honor. That's just some of the verses that, that speak about, about honoring people. It's not like you're robbing the praise that goes to Jesus. It's a biblical principle of, of giving honor. And I would say especially to those to whom much honor isn't given. I mean, I, I, I receive so much honor and I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I mean, people you know, thanking me for the message or whatever, there are all kinds of people who never hear much of thanks. We need to thank them. We need to honor those who, whose ministry is maybe more behind the scenes Maybe forgotten. So Paul says in this letter to the Philippians, here's the guy you sent, your brother, and all the ways that he described him. He's an example of, of, of men you ought to view in high regard, men you ought to honor. So what do you think Epaphroditus did when he got back to the congregation and they gave him honor. You think he said it's about time? <laughs> I don't think so. You think he said, oh, it was nothing. Well, I kind of doubt that. He just about died delivering that, uh, whatever it was, to Paul. From what we know about this man, I, I think he probably said thank you. And he probably said, God had mercy on me and gave me the strength to do what he called me to do. So let me ask you, is there someone you would do well to honor today? I'm not talking about someone well-known whose service to the Lord is visible to everyone. 
about the Epaphroditus's in the body of Christ? Those that whose ministry is maybe not very visible. You could start by thanking them for their service today. There's probably people behind you that you could thank today. People who run the sound and do the camera work and the ushers and so forth. We need to honor one another. That doesn't rob any praise to Jesus. We give honor to those who serve. May God help us to do that for his glory and praise. Thank you, Jesus, for men like Epaphroditus, caring brothers and fellow workers and soldiers and messengers and ministers. Lord, um, it takes many, many people to do the work of your kingdom. Help us, Lord, to love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, that your work may move forward. In Jesus' name we pray.